tasty treat will double your enjoyment of the show. Let's all go to the lobby. Let's all go to the lobby to get ourselves a treat. Welcome to another episode of Tea Time. Uh, a series where we talk about trick takers, shedders, climbers, and other card games. Uh, this series is designed so that whether you're jo- uh, enjoying a frothy latte or you're sipping on a cup of tea, hopefully it lasts as long as your beverage, or if not a little bit longer. Um, we are your hosts, Patrick and Ryan. And today we're going to be talking all about translating rules and Japanese names because uh, it's all very well and good uh, buying a game from Japan or uh, hunting a game down and wanting to read more about it but there's always an issue when it comes to translation so this is an area where Ryan has a lot of experience I'm sure he won't mind me saying and will certainly add some color to what we mean by translating rules. Uh, First thing I want to point out here as far as true translating experience goes i don't know japanese so i want to point that out which i think is an important piece of information because it can let you know that this is something that almost anyone can do the beauty of technology nowadays and having the resources that i use available to almost everybody can make it so that if you get a game and it only has the japanese rules in it or even any rules you should sort of be able to follow these same uh processes and be able to do it yourself. Now, obviously, I know that's a lot of of work to ask, but if you want to jump in and start helping with those, I know know, the people who do translate these rules would be more than gracious of your help to to add to our collection of translators. Right. It's got to be good for your brain, though, hasn't it, Ryan? I mean, so even if you... um, I mean, I learned a bit of Japanese uh, a long time ago now, but... When you're studying it, it's quite, it's got to be good for you, you know. So you might recognize a few characters. It's quite, I don't know if it's right to say, but maybe academically rewarding in some sense, you know. Even if you're just relying on Google for a bit, you're going to pick up the odd word now and again. Yeah, you can sort of see patterns of things, especially within the trick taking world, all these card games. Rule books tend to have repeated words a lot even between various multiple games. So you look at one rule book of one game and a completely different rule book of another game, it's going to share similar words, you know, cards and trick taking and must follow, may follow, whatever that might be. So you can start to see the patterns in there. So what sort of patterns can we expect then with these uh, Japanese games just to enlighten people? Yeah, well, one nice thing too, before going into the specific patterns, is the length of a rule book. <laughs> One thing that makes trick-taking games and most card games in general are short rule books. <laughs> it always helps. Yes. If if we you know were trying to translate bigger, heavier board games, Brass Birmingham, or I don't know, it's just the first thing that came to mind, but ones that are like 10, 12, 15 pages long, it would be so much more painful. So the fact that these rules tend to be one to four pages at most makes it so that you can get a translation of a rule book done usually in like one or two sittings. Right. They won't need a Japanese, uh, a massive volume of a Japanese dictionary next to them while they're trying to translate. Exactly. <laughs> um, but yeah, so I sort of mentioned a few of the, the keywords you'll see repeat in rule books. Um, ones that I think want to point out here that are just kind of funny is the translation from 
Japanese to English, uh, something like parent. So when a rulebook is referring to a parent, it's talking about the lead player. So in a trick, when you're the first person to play a card of the trick, you're the parent of that trick. I mean, there might be and a then, parent. That's kind of kind of strange, isn't it? But uh. <laughs> <laughs> it is. And so the funny thing is, the very first time I ever did this, I it's been so long now. I actually don't even remember what game it was I was doing, but I used Google Lens, which is the Google translating service, and tried to see if I could piece things together. And some of the sentences just don't make sense. When you see these words out of context, not making sense, like when it just says parents and stuff like that, you're like, well, is it, what is it truly referring to? And then you start to yeah, read. Is it a kid's game? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. And then it starts referring to more things about what the parent's doing. And you're like, oh, okay, it's talking about lead player. Right. And then you do 5, 10, 15 of these rule books and you start to see it repeated again. And you're like, oh, okay, yeah, that's totally what it is. Yeah, that makes sense. It's kind of a weird terminology for, for a native English speaker to get their head around. I'm sure it makes perfect sense in, in Japanese what it's getting at. Absolutely. So if there are parents, then assuming there are children as well that is correct yeah so if you're a follower in the trick you are a child <laughs> there we go um, yeah so now i will say this isn't every game too not every single game when you're translating you're going to guarantee to see parent and see child you might see lead player and follower or however else they want to describe it it's just that's kind of one that i've seen a pattern show up in a few which i just think is pretty funny right there's no aunties uncles granddads grandmas kind of thing that's that's too far <laughs> <laughs> um and trite as well i know trite's another common word that um in japan they associate with trick-taking games isn't it so um you know, we say trick taker, they say try. It's just something to try and get your head around. Yeah. One final one I do want to mention here, which I just think is, is funny, <laughs> is mast follow. So M-A-S-T follow is what is usually written for must follow. And without truly really knowing Japanese and understanding like how it does that, I just think it's a really silly word that, that it translates to mast, mast yeah, maybe. and i'm sure no i was gonna say maybe they were playing a trick taker on a boat and just thought one day oh the mast's up and we're playing a game and then you know you must follow is like a little joke as well <laughs> uh, interesting <laughs> uh, so what are some games then that you've been involved in that you think or certain games for you that perhaps you really enjoy that you needed to do paste-ups on or that you sort about making paste-ups for well, the granddaddy of them all, which I feel like is the most fitting one to start with, is going to be Trick Takers. So the game Trick Takers, all one word, uh, and the expansions and little Trick Takers. This game had actually been out for a while uh, in Japan and had been talked about a little bit within the Portland Game Collective Discord and a little bit on BGG from what I saw, uh, but nobody really owned it nobody went out and bought it because there's so much japanese on the cards let alone the rule book the just sheer amount of translating that needed to be involved in that sort of put people off from from getting it and eventually uh after i think lee and maybe Taylor, probably a couple other people had actually owned it but had still yet to play it because nobody translated it I 
decided to just buy it myself and start the project because I had been wanting to try and play it. It had been about six to eight months or so where I just kept asking, has anybody done anything with it? Has anybody played it? Does anybody know anything about it? Kind of always got no. So eventually I was like, you know what? I'll just make the plunge, get all the things and how, how hard can that be, right? <laughs> right. Can we, can we ask you to insert a round of applause here, Ryan? Because kudos to you. You are the reason that most people who are into trick-taking games can now play trick takers. Of course, I know you had some help from Fumi, uh, Hiroka, the designer's um, colleague. Um, but, you know, we are most grateful because uh, we talked about trick takers a lot, uh, not the obviously the game, um, on uh, Trick Talkers episodes. And uh, I know it's uh, one of the favorites here. So, uh, yeah, we thank you for that again. Really appreciate it. And that's the kind of rewarding work you can do by translating rules, right? Certainly. You had mentioned Fumi there, but I do want to repeat that just because I believe he deserves a bigger round of applause for me. So I, sure, I did the the character paste-ups and helped a little with the rule book, but that rule book is, is a big boy for a trick taker. <laughs> yeah. As I sort of mentioned earlier, they're typically only one to four pages long. Well, this game's more like... 20 plus pages long so it's a lot to have done so fumi did a fantastic job so round of applause for him as well there you go i'll let you insert that uh but yeah so that was a big endeavor uh the steps involved to translating this game wasn't just the rules it was also the character cards the characters themselves have specific abilities and powers that at a quick glance it's much easier to just know what they do on the character cards so while you could leave the character cards alone and just refer to the rule book it's a little tedious so you want to be able to have those character cards done so i went through and scanned all of my cards put them on adobe photoshop and removed all the japanese from them translated them in the physical world using the google lens and then sort of retyping it and putting it back in on the Photoshop product that I had. Yeah, I just just want to add here about this the business of paste-ups because what I found really useful, I've also used a Google app. And even sometimes when you have paste-ups, um, I still found it useful to double-check that I was sticking the correct paste-ups onto the correct cards because one thing we haven't spoken about is even once you, you've armed yourself with the paste-ups, you kind of need a way of putting them into your game without, uh, it, you know, intuitively so that the players can learn it. And Ryan, you've said, you know, it's great that they're on the cards. Well, how do you get them on the cards in the first place? A lot of people ask. And certain people do different things. I know, Ryan, that you are very much in favour of cutting uh sort of printing the paste-ups onto paper and leaving the cards and then putting the paste-ups in the you know on on top of the cards so that you know it shuffles all right and that you know the relevant text is in there i actually do a combination of uh sticky paper so labeling paper printing them onto that and then sticking them on the cards um how do you feel about uh that ryan are you kind of worried about maybe damaging your copy or is it just something you haven't got to, you know you don't want to make time for because it's a bit laborious i have stickered one thing but that was color gangsters and that was to the wooden cardboard uh tiles that you put on the the table not actually the cards themselves 
I'm not opposed to either option. I personally just print it on regular paper, cut it out and put it in sleeves. Because one, there's a 99.9% .9 chance my cards are already sleeved anyways. So that works for me. Well, there we go. Yeah, no problem. And the other is I just have this really cheap paper that we get a whole bunch of that I just print out. So the sticker paper is a little more expensive. So just as far as money-wise, if you're trying to go the cheapest route but still effective... The thin, really cheap paper that I use works well. Right. Reinvest the, the rest of the funds on acquiring more games, right? That's <laughs> all they say. But essential research. So with my copy of Trick Takers, I actually sl I actually put paper in front of the um, the item cards and uh, I was shuffling them and with in sleeves and, th and then all these bits of paper started sort of coming out the top of the cards and my OCD wouldn't let that happen. So I had to use label paper but obviously, if you go down the label paper route and you make a mistake, you might damage your card. So you've got to be really careful. So I just thought I'd bring this up just as the caveat, because we're talking about paste-ups. Just how do you apply them in practice is kind of a, another angle to look at it. Right, I think that's a great conversation because that's sort of the, the second piece of all of this is you get the translating part first, but then... You know, what do you do with them after? Like, it is a part of it. So knowing how to do it, like you said, that's been a very common question, especially with the trick takers game. A lot of people do ask that question. I don't want to hearken in again that there's no right answer. It really just comes down to personal preference. What do you think you like more? And if you're not sure because you've never done it, I think my recommendation would be do regular paper first. Or... If you're going to use sticker paper or label paper, put it on not the actual game card, like put it on a regular playing card or something that you won't mind if it does mess up. Sleeve that card or play with that card or do whatever you want. Get a feel for how an actual stickered on paste up would play like, and then you can make your decision from there. Right. I mean, a lot of one concern might be from people, are, you know, how would this affect the game's resale value you know is it are people going to turn the nose up when they find out well actually you know i've pasted up my copy i take the opinion you know if you're a native english speaker or wherever you wherever you're from uh if you don't speak native japanese then the, the chances are you'll pass it on to somebody who probably speaks your language or, or english um so actually you're you know you're adding value to the game because you're doing a service for anyone who might acquire it or borrow it or you know new players who just play your copy in the future yeah i think that's the biggest i don't want to say barrier to entry for those but whenever somebody's importing a game knowing that paste ups is going to be a requirement for that game it can potentially push them off from actually even getting it at all. But if they can get a used copy that's already gotten those paste-ups done, that can be a huge help for some people. Right. Well, you know, I've got a couple of little paper cutters. I've got going around or I've got label paper. If you don't want to go down that rabbit hole, that's fine. Um, you know, and some people are happy just, as we said, just to cut bits of paper out, stick them in and, and off they go, as long as they can play the game. But uh, one thing that's worth mentioning here is if nobody did paste-ups and nobody, you know, went to that effort to do to do this, we'd never have discovered the joys of games like uh, Trick Takers. So I do think um, there's certainly method in the madness. Certainly. And I guess I want to sort of get back to that process flow then. So if you are listening to this and you're thinking, hmm, that actually sounds pretty interesting. I'd like to start doing that myself, maybe dabble a little just to see what it's like. 
the biggest things that you really need are a phone, a tablet, or something that's got a camera on it that you can point at the rules and have your translation service available. I've said a couple times already here, I use Google Lens, but I will also sort of supplement with other various websites as well, because while Google is obviously a really good service and a really good company for translation like that, and of course anything, <laughs> you can't always rely on one company or one product to be the catch-all be-all. So I want to sometimes double check ones, especially sentences or words that just clearly don't make sense when you read it in any way, shape or form. I'm like that, I, I see what they're going for, but that just can't be it. So what I'll do is when using Google Lens, for me specifically on my phone, I take a picture of the rules and then I can highlight the words that translated and then I can copy it to my computer. Then I'll paste it into a Word document and then I have the actual words that I can mess around with. So what I'll then do is I'll copy and paste that sentence. Uh, again, this is the Japanese part of the sentence before it has been truly translated into these other sites to see what comes out. So some other ones are Yandex, Translate.com, DeepL, Jisho, which I hope I'm pronouncing that correctly. That sounds about right. Yeah. But that actually means dictionary in Japanese. Fun little fact there. There you go. Interesting. And as always, we'll link these in the show notes so you can find them easily. Uh, but those are some good recommendations that I would use to put those in. And again, just compare and contrast what you get from that sentence. Whatever keeps showing up the majority of the time, there's a good chance that's what it's supposed to yep. be. Parent, child, must follow. There we go. <laughs> yep. Um so I will also back translate. If you use Google Translate on your computer, sometimes it's good to back translate it, do it the other way around and see what, and then do it again and just see how much, you know, that changes because what makes sense one way might not make sense when you, you convert it back into Japanese. Um, so one of the things is it's all very well and good, uh, Ryan. We, you know, we're talking about translating rule books we're talking about translate you know doing paste-ups how do you find these games in the first place if they've got japanese names that is a million dollar question it can certainly be difficult because a lot of times you can't just put the name of the game in google and expect to find it you do need to be careful about how you search for things so the biggest thing you want to do is try and find the japanese version of the title of the game. And there are various ways to do that. The first thing you want to go to is BGG, Board Game Geek. If the game is on there, go to that description section on the main page of the game and see if the original Japanese title is there. Well, the versions area as well is quite useful. Um, you know, if you check the versions that come out in case you've got a Japanese name on there. That's perfect. Uh, but if the game is on BGG and it's there, that's a great way to do it. You can copy and paste that in. Other ways is going to gamemarket.jp. This is going to have a list of all the games. The website itself is normally in Japanese, so you'll need to use a translation service on your browser, however you do that, to get it changed to your language. But make sure you put it back into Japanese when you find the game you're looking for, of course. Yes, exactly, yeah. yeah. So what I do, though, personally, is I'll just leave it in Japanese and browse, because what's nice is they show a little picture 
uh, a little thumbnail of the game. So as long as you know what the box looks like or the components looks like, you should still be able to see it that way. But if you do need to switch to English to at least navigate through the search function, that's totally fine. Um, do you have anything else to say on gamemarket.jp? No, go for it. Okay. Yeah, I was just going to say Badoge is another good one as well. That tends to have quite a big library of uh, Japanese games. That's Badoge, uh, B-O-D-O-G-E. Twitter is a great way of doing it. I believe it or not, lots of Japanese users on Twitter who talk about the games that have come out in the you know Tokyo Games Market or latest releases, hashtags on there. So, you know, I think it's very worthwhile putting the names of the games into there and seeing what you can find. And even sometimes, you know what, Ryan, I look at the box and I see the Japanese characters on the box. And I sometimes then try and uh, figure out ways of inputting those characters so I can find the games as well. No, that's actually a a clever little trick. I'm I'm glad you brought that up because I've done the same thing before, too. Another thing that, again, Google Lens can be helpful with or using on your computer if you can find a way to copy-paste, get that off the Mm -hmm. box. And the Japanese, they have two, uh, well, they have a few alphabets, but one of the alphabets is hiragana and the other alphabet is katakana. Now, don't worry if you don't know the difference between the two, but the katakana is used for foreign words um, that we have. So, so you know, words in English like laptop and uh i think coffee but you know this is going back to my days of of learning japanese so sometimes it's worth just doing that and seeing if the game you know you can then get the characters because obviously on english keyboards you know we don't have them but you can then get the characters and use that as a means for searching for things as well uh i think you you were going to say something about a geek list weren't you yes oh yeah yeah so going back to bgg there is a really helpful list uh, the title is Keeping JP Hipsters in the Loop. <laughs> JP Games New to BGG. So anytime a new game, whether it's coming from the Tokyo Game Market or it's just a new release in Japan, uh, there's a good chance these few JP Hipsters, <laughs> as it's called, uh, will purchase it and get the information and create a BGG page for it and then add it to this forum. So the forum has a nice long list of things. And if you happen to be one of those JP hipsters who gets a new game and you don't see it's on BGG, I'd highly recommend going to this, uh, which we'll again link in the show notes and put the information in and get it added on a BGG to help everybody else out. Yeah, why not? Give it back to the community like Ryan did with with, uh, trick takers. There we go. So what about rules themselves? I mean, sometimes, uh, you know, just touching on it briefly, you can get translation errors, right? With... We've talked about it. Uh, I know it's happened with Nine Lives and Catty. We mentioned about Cauldron 15. You know, we weren't sure when you could start discarding cards from the ones that you collected. What's your take on that? How do you tackle tackle that? So I think being a person who does the translating, I feel a lot in this, <laughs> this area. Because when you read a rule book, whether it's a regular English one or it's these translated ones, you start to get an appreciation more of some of those miscommunications or rules that are written incorrectly, and especially Japanese to English. That's a very hard language to translate, as we've sort of said, some of the examples that come up that just don't make sense and the different characters that, that are in the Japanese language and just seeing sentences that you can tell aren't proper English 
So it's almost you have to start to make assumptions. And that's where translation errors and rules mistakes and rules understandings can come into play. And you can talk to somebody about the same game and they've played it completely different just based on how they read the same exact sentence. Right. And, you know, it's, it's a tricky area because one of the ways I've dealt with that, I'm a bit of a rules lawyer, I'll be honest. Okay. So I, when I'm unsure, I first ask on BGG. And if I don't get the answer I'm looking for, um, I try and go directly to the source. So I'll normally, you know, get onto Twitter, find out the name of the designer. And to be honest, I must say, a lot of these Japanese publishers and designers are actually really responsive. Taki Shinzara uh, has answered some rules questions for me on Catty. I've had uh, Cauldron 15, you know, we got clarified. And so I just think that's really nice that you're able to do that. If you're ever, ever unsure, always try it. Um, you won't necessarily always get a response. And sometimes you might have to try and write to them in Japanese using your, you know, your best, your favorite translation method that we've mentioned. Um, but is it the end of the world if you don't get the rules right through a lack of clarity? What do you think? I think not at all. I think that's one of the hot topics within the board gaming world is rules mistakes whenever somebody plays a game and they got something wrong or it was taught wrong and they find out oh this is how you're actually supposed to play it i can't believe it was taught that way to me it just it's okay that's fine you now know how to play the right way so you can play the right way but i also think you could if you like the way it was being played before you didn't think it was terrible or broken or whatever then that's also fine if you want to keep playing it that way. I think house rules and variants and things that people want to introduce into the game that they've already bought and want to enjoy with their friends and family is totally acceptable. And with the translation from a lot of these Japanese rule books, again, myself being one of them, I know a handful of other people that don't speak Japanese, but we're simply just translating these rule books because we want to know how they play because it looks good. And we want ourselves and other people who we know have purchased this game to be able to play it. Sure, we're not playing it 100% correctly every single time because we might miss something, but that's okay. It's life happens, you know, shit happens, excuse me. Uh -huh. <laughs> but I, I think if you just accept that there's going to be some issues, like you said, it's okay though if we can ask somebody, get clarification. There's a good chance that these translated rules aren't going to be perfect. So don't expect perfection. Yeah, this is the perfection thing. I think the key question to ask really is, have you had fun? And if the answer is yes, don't sweat the small stuff. I mean, I'm saying this now. I'm probably the biggest hypocrite, to be honest, Ryan, because I'm always the one that's, you know, I need, I must go on Twitter and find out and I must know what the actual rules are and I make notes of them. Um and I'm the worst person for it. We play a game and I sort of halfway through the game, oh, hang on, you know, we've just played Cursed Tricks. I forgot that there was a shoot the moon element. Oh, by the way, that might have changed what you did last round. But you know what? We still had a good time. Um, so I'm kind of on the fence a little bit. I really like to know the right rules. I know there's a lot of people who do. But I can see your point that it actually it's not the end of the world. Uh, as long as you've had a good time with people, other people. And let's be honest, right, that's probably why we're in this hobby. Yeah. And, and the thing is, I actually agree with you. I myself am a pretty big rules lawyer as well. I'm typically the one who's teaching the games to my group, whether it's trick taking or regular games. 
I like to be the one who watches all the videos and reads all the rules and make sure is fully prepared to be able to do that. So I like to make sure there's no second guessing. There's no assumptions because I know what it's like when you are like, hmm, I'm not really sure about the rule. If I explain it this way and it's wrong, it's going to come back to me and they're yeah, going to be yeah, like, oh, yeah. I can't believe you taught it wrong. It's so different this way. And it's just like it, there shouldn't be that kind of pressure on the people. It's it's OK to get rules wrong. It happens all the time yet we treat it like it doesn't. So like you said, as long as you have fun in the end, that's the ultimate goal. Right. And there's usually something, isn't there? In a new game, inevitably you get it to the table and oh, we overlooked that sentence in the rule book. Bad enough in a game that's written in English. And there are some great rule books out there and some terrible ones, of course. But then when you're trying to translate a game as well, you have to cut some slack to the person who translated the game in the first place because otherwise you probably would never have even brought it to the table Unless, of course, we've inspired you to start translating rules now, which hopefully we have. As always, thank you so much for listening. Uh, but if you do have any questions, comments you want to send towards us, we can always be reached at TrickTalkers on Twitter, or you can email us at TrickTalkers at gmail.com. Yeah. Thank you for listening to Trick Talkers Tea Time. That's all for now.